Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Cristiano Ronaldo is back with a bang in the Premier League, but it was an eventful weekend elsewhere with big wins for Liverpool, Chelsea and Man City. Arsenal getting their season up and running and Tottenham's good start hitting the buffers. I'm Dan Burke, this is the Premier League Weekend Review Podcast and I'm joined today by Joel Sanderson-Murray. Hello. And making his podcast debut, it's Rob Joyce. Hello. Uh, so Rob is a friend of mine from back in Manchester and when we met up at the weekend he said, I'm really enjoying the podcast, but could you tell that Scouse guy to stop slagging off Man United all the time? <laughs> so, so Rob, this is your big chance to get some some retribution. And Joel, you have been warned. No promises, though. So, <laughs> I was after quite a few beers, Joel. So, I do apologise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we all get the uh, we all get the encouragement, don't we? Yeah. He also didn't say I wasn't allowed to slag United off, though. So, uh, you know, there's, there's no no restraint on me in that regard. Or me, for that matter. <laughs> Indeed, so. yeah. Although there's not much to slag off about them this week, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to begin we'll this. Well, yeah, we'll find something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to begin this week at Elland Road, where Liverpool won three 0 on Sunday. Uh, Joel, it's your first appearance on the podcast this season. How pleased have you been by the start Liverpool have made? Yeah, I can't really complain, to be honest, Dan. I mean, you know, you take 10 points from your first four games and when one of those games has been against, you know, Chelsea, one, one of the teams that are probably going to be up there challenging for the title, you, you probably take it. I mean, the Chelsea game, when you obviously you play against 10 men for 45 minutes, you should expect to you know, probably win the game. But, and I, you know, I was, and I mean, Liverpool fans were disappointed after that. But it's, I mean, looking at it now, when the performances we put in, especially, you know, against Leeds and, and on the opening day, uh, against Norwich, I, I think you can't really complain. We've, we've done all we can so far, and you just these these early week, weeks of the season, you're just hoping for players to uh, sort of catch their sharpness and, and get up to speed. And that does take until sort of like game eight, game nine, doesn't it? So you just get until then, and, and hope you've uh, not lost too many games or dealt too many blows, and see where you're at. And yes, yeah, so I can't complain. Yeah, uh, um, were you at all concerned about about only one signing being made in the summer, or do you think the squad balance looks about right? Because it looks about right to me. I mean, it's it's a strange one because I think um, sort of the the troubles that Liverpool went through last season, there, there was talk in, in sort of January and February that the team needed a whole new rebuild and that you know you sort of need to get six or seven in and I never really subscribed to that, but I do think we need to bring in some reinforcements in the summer and they dealt with the main issue of getting another centre half in, which was an issue they, they should have done last summer, um, but they dealt with that and they got you know got you know exciting talent in, in Ibrahim Kanate coming in there. But I do think they needed to, you know, one replace Ginny Wijnaldum. Um, obviously, he's gone out, gone out on the free and, and joined PSG, and um, you know, someone who you know, not only was a talented footballer and, and perfect for you know the way Jurgen Klopp wants to play football, but he's also someone who was there every week and. Very rarely got injured, and, and you know his minutes that he's played over the last you know, four or five seasons that he's with the club, you know, is, is really hard to replace. And um, we didn't really replace that. Maybe, maybe we did in the way that Harvey Elliott comes in and mm. he turns into a central midfielder, but, but then he gets injured. Um, so, so yeah, I, I do think we needed one or two more, but um, you know, there must be a reason for that. You know, if, if I'm noticing that, then Jurgen Klopp is obviously noticing that, and the, the people you know above him. You know, with the money and obviously noticing that, but um, there's a reason why they've not they've not done it. And you know, let's see next summer. There's you know a bit more money spent, but we'll have to see. I think that is a, a bit of a concern. Um, but then, like you like you sort of alluded to there, you know, on, on Saturday, you know, Divock Origi, who you know, wasn't even in the squad the, the first couple of games of the season. Curtis Jones wasn't even in the squad, so yeah. there is a bit of depth there. Just you have to see whether that that talent drop off is 
you know, a bit too much, but we'll have to see about that. Yeah, I suppose it could be a bit of a worry when January comes around and Salah and Mane are both off to the AFCON, could it? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a fair concern. Um, not too sure what the plan would be for that. I, I do think maybe Harvey Elliott was probably the plan B for that, which maybe what you know, well, that's a much you know, it's obviously a blow, but you know, a real big blow because you know he obviously could have come in and played, you know, in Salah's position. You know, we sold to Dan Shakiri in, in the summer, and he obviously could have filled in those boots. So we're not too sure what the, the plan will be for that. We'll have to see when we get there. But yeah, that's obviously a concern. You, you lose, you know, not only you lose Mohamed Salah, you lose Sadio Mane, you know, two of your first front three. It's, it's obviously going to be a, a trouble. But, um, but let, you know, let's see. Indeed. Uh, Rob, watching this game as a United fan, do you, do you think Liverpool look like a team who are going to be a big problem in the title race this season? I mean, they were they were battering Leeds at one point, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, I thought they played really well, Liverpool, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I know Leeds have a tendency to sort of, they kind of played into their hands a little bit, but mm-hmm. they just look very strong, don't they? Um, I mean, I always thought Liverpool were going to be contenders. I mean, I'm, I don't know why they're not being talked about possibly as much as Chelsea and City would be at the moment for title challenges. But yeah, um, yeah for me, I think they'll be there or thereabouts, to be honest. Um, as long as they keep their sort of key guys fit, um, which is probably the problem they had last season, um, you know, they're going to they're be up there. Yeah, I think a lot of it stems from like the transfer window and, and Liverpool having a relatively quiet transfer window means they sort of slip under people's radars a bit, don't they? When yeah, when yeah. Chelsea and, and yeah. United, for example, are buying lots of players and, and even City bringing in Jack Grealish. I think people un- have underestimated Liverpool somewhat, but you watch them in this game and they're, they're, they're frighteningly good. Uh, what about Leeds for you, Rob? I mean, like like Old Trafford, as you, as you alluded to there, they were carved open again here. Do you think Bielsa seriously needs to rethink his approach to games like these against the top teams? Yeah, I mean, they get these plaudits, and obviously, you know, the way they play is, you know, is brave. Um, but yeah, they, they seemed, it was very similar to what United did to them. They seem to, I mean, what the problem I thought they had is they just gave the ball away way too much. And when you play in a team like Liverpool or United, they'll, they'll punish you for it. Mm. Um, so maybe, yeah, he, he might have to just, you know, have a sort of plan B lined up. I can't see him doing that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, I still think they've got enough, obviously, to, to do well this season. But against the, the top teams, they, they clearly have a, have a bit of an issue there. Yeah, we had this conversation about him a bit last season and, and we were sort of suggesting that Bielsa needed to come up with a plan B and then he's, he kind of improved the plan A. Then they, Now they seem to have slipped back into their old ways a little bit. I mean, they can see another goal from a set piece in this game. That's something they seem to have a real problem with. They've got Newcastle uh, away, I believe it is, on Friday night. So that, that's almost looking like a bit of a, uh, a must-win for them already. Um, the game ended on a bit of a sombre note for Liverpool, as you mentioned earlier, Joel, with that bad injury to Harvey Elliott. Given how well he's been playing this season, you must have been particularly gutted about that. Yeah, and it really did. And it didn't necessarily feel like a 3 0 away win uh, at the end of it because it was sort of a, you know, you obviously go to when, when that happens to your, to your player. And, you know, it's, a, it's an un- unfortunate circumstance. I don't necessarily think it was a horrendous challenge. And Harvey Elliott said so himself on, you know, uh, on Scrum himself yesterday. But it, yeah, I mean, the thing is with Elliott, you know, the talk when he came back from Blackburn Rovers uh, in the summer that he might go out on loan to another championship club there this, this season. But he's been kept around. He's played nearly every game pre-season and in a new position. And it looked like there was a real plan there and that they've, uh, they've really worked on that. And he, he's obviously been absolutely blitzing it in training because he's getting trusted, you know, at home to Chelsea. Um, and then, you know, he, he, he withdraws from the England the 21 squad over the international break because of a little knock. And you think, you know, okay, maybe now, you know, he's out and Thiago and Henderson are going to come back in. But, you know, plays 
the way it leads, which you know on paper is a, you know a tough away game, mm. and he, he's starting again. So there's obviously a lot of trust in him, and you know it's he's just having his breakthrough season, and it's really cruel what happens, but you know that's football, I guess, isn't yeah. it? Any any updates at the time of recording on how long he's likely to be out for? No, I've definitely put a time scale on it just yet. I know he's sort of talked about having surgery uh, today, actually. So, you know, maybe may, no, 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 ugh, no more of the next couple of days. Yeah, it's a dislocated ankle, isn't it? It's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe not one. as bad as maybe first four, but, you know, he's having surgery. It's always a you know, trouble one, isn't it? Yeah, the big debate about, about this one, though, is whether was it actually a bad tackle from pa- Pascal Stroik? Was it a red card or, or was he a bit of a victim of circumstance? What do you reckon, Rob? Um, I mean, my first thought when I first saw it was... It was a good, it was sort of a hard tackle, but a fair one. Mm. But I've watched it a few times over, and I feel like he does slightly leave the ground. It is from behind. What I think happens is his trailing leg lands on his ankle mm. as he's sort of coming through him. Um, so I think in the laws of the game, it probably was a red card. I think they probably got it right. Um, I can see why people might, you know, disagree with me on that. Um, you know, it was a strong challenge, and people may say it's a fair one, but I, I thought personally that it was, it was a red card. Yeah. To be honest, I haven't even seen it. I was looking at my phone when it happened and I still haven't seen a replay. They didn't show a replay on the, the TV feed I was watching the other day. So I've only seen a still image of it. I don't I don't want to see it again because I know it was a nasty injury. Uh, would you agree with Rob there that it was a red card, Joel? I, I'm, I'm not too sure, actually. I, I do think, you know, okay, maybe in sort of the laws of the game, as Rob alluded to there, that it is a red card. But um, I, yeah, I, I just think it's a really unfortunate circumstance and, you know, both players there are a bit unlucky, obviously, at it with the injury and, and strike with actually getting sent off because, you know, if, you know, now when you realise that Elliot's really hurt, I guess referee does have to send him off because he, he does leave the, leave the ground a bit. But I, I do admit on, on first thought, I just thought he's, he's gone in hard to try and win the ball back and he, he's just sadly caught him in, in, in the wrong position. But, um, no, we'll have to see. I wonder, it might get rescinded. We'll have to see about that. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Old Trafford now, where Manchester United beat Newcastle 4-1 on Cristiano Ronaldo's return to the club at the weekend. Uh, Ronaldo, of course, bagged a brace here, but they were both goalkeeping errors, weren't they, Joel? <laughs> I'm going to stick up for Freddie Woodman here. I, I, I think the first one looks really bad at first sight, but... It does take a deflection off the centre half in front as the first shot goes in. It just doesn't react quick enough. That's why he spills into Ronaldo's path. And the second one's just a good finish. I think, you know, okay, it's through the legs. And you obviously look like a gimp when it goes through your legs. But uh, <laughs> it's a good finish. Your criticism of, uh, of Joel Slagging off United seems to have really got to him here, Rob. You've really got inside his head. Because no, normally he'd agree with I'm me battled. wholeheartedly. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I'm turning him, I'm turning him. <laughs> uh, uh, Rob, as a United fan, how, how surreal was it for you to see? see Ronaldo back in a United shirt this weekend and how important are you expecting him to be going forward now? Um, yeah, it was all very surreal and a bit bizarre to be honest. I think it's not helped by the fact that the guy doesn't seem to have aged a day since he left <laughs> that. Um, so I sort of felt like I've gone back in time. He looks better if anything, doesn't he? Yeah, it's really <laughs> annoying actually. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's, he's going to be big for us I think. Um, you know, obviously he's still, he's still you know, a very good player and also I think Cavani's just picked up another knock. Rashford's out probably until sort of Christmas time. So, you know, actually they need him now, um, you know, more than anything. Yeah. So, yeah, he's going to have a big impact on us, I hope. Um, I mean, I've always been thinking that United's main priority this season after they got the central defender in and things would have been a central defensive midfielder. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't happen for whatever reason. They're clearly happy for what they've got or the right player didn't come up. So, but, you know, you can't argue, you know, he's Cristiano Ronaldo the other day and he, he seems to be in very good shape, doesn't he? So, yeah, um, yeah no, I think... Hopefully we can get sort of 20 goals out of him, you know, at least really. Mm. Um, 
Well, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, that, the, the defensive midfielder issue did kind of come to light a little bit in this game, I thought. There were times when United looked a bit vulnerable on the break. Matic, I don't know if he's really got the legs to to sort of, you know, against a better team than Newcastle. I think United might have uh, conceded one or two more goals there, so they've got, they have yeah. to they have to be careful with that. But maybe the, the philosophy is just to try and score more goals on the other team now and, and just play, play it that way, make the attack so yeah, good that the def- defence defense almost doesn't matter too much. I mean, I actually thought Newcastle's goal was actually a really good goal. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, yeah. Harry Maguire got lost in no man's land, but it actually was a really good goal. They really hit us quickly. So, you know, there's still the... Uh, I don't think... That's what the problem the United's going to have this season. They're just not quite there, I think, mm. in terms of what the other teams are doing. Um, so, yeah, but you never you never know. You yeah. Never know. They string some good results together, so... I mean, it was reading earlier about Ronaldo that he's sort of been giving speeches to the team and, and saying that they want to improve standards and really push for the title this season. And, and I think that's that's the kind of leader that United have perhaps been crying out for for a long time, isn't it, really? There's also some talk that Ronaldo's return might have con- convinced Paul Pogba to sign a new contract. I mean, Rob, do you think more than anything that Ronaldo could make United a really attractive team for big players again? Um, yeah, for sure. I think there's going to be there's certainly going to be players out there who are going to be who would like to play with him. I mean, um, yeah, in the days he's probably one of the two greatest players of our generation for sure. So, yeah, and there's going to be kids that have grown up watching him and want, and want to play play with him. So, I think there'll be the players out there who will want to play with him. Whether Paul Pogba that'll change Paul Pogba's mind, I do not know because yeah. I've always been of the opinion that he's pretty much made up his mind, possibly a couple of seasons to go that he he wants out, but. Um, the opportunity for whatever reason, whether it be the pandemic or, or, or what else happens with other clubs, it's just not happening for him. But I can't see him staying another year unless United, you know, something dramatic, dramatic changes, um, you know, in contracts is, is, is something he can't turn down. Mm. But um, yeah, in terms of attracting other players, I feel like it, it would it would be, uh, you know, something that other people look at when the, when the, it's put in front of them in the offer. But, yeah. You know, how, what are we going to get another couple of seasons at Ronaldo and then, you know, they'll, they'll be having to look for the next one, basically. Yeah, yeah. I read that he also refused to do his initiation song uh, the night before the game because he said that he'd already done that the first time around. I mean, that's the kind of power this guy wields, isn't it? You can do what he wants, yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can he do, just, can he do just another version of it? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Regale yeah. Joel, having watched this game, especially with, with Ronaldo back now, on, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about United as, as a threat in the title race? You, you, have to consider, you have to consider him a threat because you know, not only Ronaldo, but bringing in Jane Sancho and bringing in you know, Rafael Varane, you know, they've got quality you know, all over the pitch now. And, um, and in terms of talking about them a title threat, I mean, obviously, you know, the season's still young, um, so a lot to go, but. Um, they, they have to be considered up there. I still don't think they've got an, as much about them as as Manchester City have in terms of being this sort of um, you know City a bit more sort of well rounded, a bit more balanced about them. And I've been there before, been there and done it. And as have Liverpool, but I'm not necessarily going to consider Liverpool too much in the title race just now because you know let, let, let's see what comes out in the wash with you know players come back from long term injury. But um, you know, it's been a good start for them. Mm. And then obviously you have got Chelsea, you know European champions and. You know, got you know one of the best managers in the league, and uh, and just like one of the best strikers in the world, and I, I think that's where the sort of talking about the managers. I think that's where you know, United might come unstuck. Um, I'm still not totally having all they going to Solskjaer as um, <laughs> an elite head coach, <laughs> um, <laughs> but but you know. It's been a good start for them, and I didn't, you know, talking as a local fan, it's not great to see Old Trafford rocking and bouncing like yeah. that, <laughs> because that is scary, and it brings back sort of PTSD from my childhood. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if, if that continues to happen, then you have, have to consider them. And, you know, right now it's, it's all well and done, but um, I, I do think, you know, as you both spoke about there, the defensive midfield issue, um, I think 
Varane being as good as he is, you know, top one of the top five centre backs in the world, might be able to, you know, sort of get away with that. But any players left exposed will get found out in some games and will try to, you know, uh, find it troubling in some games. So uh, Scott McTominay is going to have to have one hell of a season, I think. <laughs> Indeed, uh, but yeah. <laughs> it's, in terms of a scale of one to ten, I'll, I'll, I'll go seven. seven yeah, seven. I'm going to say seven as well. I, th- I agree with you. I think there'll be at least one team better than them in the league this season. Possibly three teams better than them in the league this season. But, but I'm definitely keeping a close eye on them. Uh, as for yeah. Newcastle though, Joel, they're so, so poor, aren't they? Could you see relegation being on the cards for them this season? I can if they don't change the manager mm. anytime soon, but I do think that it sounds like you know, there's an athletic piece going out over the weekend about you know, how he's, Steve Bruce is fighting civil wars all over the place yeah. uh, and, and wars outside the, the pit with the fans as well. Um, so I do eventually think that might lead to a change in circumstance um, and we'll have to see what he bring in there. But um, if, it, if it carries on the way it is and the mood around the club doesn't change, then uh, it's going to be a long hard season for the Geordies. Yeah. Well, Bruce went on a holiday to Portugal during the international break, didn't he? And he, and he reacted angrily to a question about that in the post-match press conference. <laughs> do you think it's fair to question him on that? I mean, he's only human, isn't he? It's, it's an international break. He went away for the weekend, as far as I know. Like, he's allowed a bit of a break, isn't he? Uh, he's been locked down for 18 months like the rest of us, so maybe so, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a bit harsh on Brucey that, but yeah, he's doing a pretty poor job there. And the whole club setup is just it's just so poor, isn't it? I mean the, the lack of transfer activity this summer was was pretty abysmal really, so I am a bit worried about them. Um we'll see what happens with it with, with them. Uh, the result of the weekend, in my opinion, was Manchester City's one 0 win away at Leicester, and I don't care who disagrees with me on that. Uh, a lot of City fans were disappointed by the, the low level of transfer activity this summer. Uh, but when you consider that De Bruyne, Foden, Mares, and Sterling were all on the bench for this game, there shouldn't be too much to worry about there, should there, Rob? Uh, no, I mean the squad depth scary, isn't it? Still, mm. um, I think I was reading the other day that they've already got they've had six different goal scorers already this season. Yeah. So. They don't seem to have a problem in that respect. I mean, like you said, I mean, the options they have available are just unbelievable. I never actually thought they needed Kane myself. I thought, you know, Grealish is obviously going to be a, a great asset for them. Um, yeah, and I think they'll be, you know, they're the team to beat, aren't they? So, and I, I think they'll be up there again. Um, so, yeah, I certainly won't be disappointed when spend 100 million on my club. So, yeah, I think they'll be they'll be good. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think they'll um, they need anyone else particularly. Yeah, they're averaging 21 shots per game this season so far, which isn't too bad. I mean, they're not, they're not scoring uh, well. They, well, they, they didn't score a great deal of goals at Leicester. Missed missed some pretty good chances, but you know they've scored 11 goals in four matches so far. So, so far so good for City. I think um, on the last podcast I said an emotional farewell to Bernardo Silva, but he's still here and he was brilliant in this game, <laughs> capping it off with the winning goal. Um, Joel, do you think it, it, keeping him is possibly the best bit of transfer business? City could have done this summer? I mean, in a window where you've signed Jack Grealish, I mean, it's a, it'd be a strong statement to say it. Yeah. But um, I, I'm not too sure. I mean, Bernardo's obviously a world-class footballer and, and if he does knuckle down and, you know, sort of his, you know, his attitude spot on, which, you know, doesn't, there's no reason why it wouldn't be, yeah. then um, then it's there's no problem at all and he, he's someone who can you know, win, win a game by himself and you know, last season for City he didn't actually need to do that because you know, he was doing a job for the team and he, he was working hard for the team and if, if he continues to do that and also you know, scores winning goals every now and again yeah. then, uh, then, then maybe so maybe, maybe there's something in, in the question there and um, I, I think it is interesting with City you talk about the transfer business because you know and a lot of people are saying they did need to sign a striker and, and I thought I think I sort of agree with, with Rob where they say I don't think they necessarily needed Kane um, mm. they didn't need a striker last season he didn't play with one last season and you won the league at a canter and there's a you know maybe okay teams now have a season's data on you to, to work out how to play against that and but uh, 
you know, you've also got Ferran Torres there who could just sneak in as somebody, you know, follow like another F Torres that, you know, scored a lot of goals <laughs> in the Premier League a couple of years ago. We'll have to see about that, won't we? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really too early to say whether City needed someone like Kane or not. I think definitely an extra body up there who can score goals uh, would have been really helpful. Whether having to spend 150 million to get that player was necessary, I, I don't really know. I think we'll have to look back at the end of the season and see what we've won. And if, if we won nothing, you might say, well, yeah, it was a mistake not bringing a striker in if they, if they go on to win the league again then you would say well, what was the point in all that fuss about signing Kane in the first place so like I say yeah so far so good the, the scoring the goals I would like to see them scoring a few more uh, got some tough games coming up so we'll, we'll really get the measure of them in, in a few weeks when they play likes of PSG Liverpool Chelsea but uh, yeah I'm, I'm pretty impressed with the way City are playing so far uh, as for Leicester they've been getting results despite not playing brilliantly this season but in, in this game they didn't play well didn't get the result they've now lost five of their last eight Premier League games going back to last season um, do you think Rob uh, giving Jamie Vardy a strike partner again like Roger did towards the back end of last season will, will get them firing again is that the solution to their problems yeah I mean possibly yeah I mean I don't know whether the hands of time is sort of catching up with Vardy and more, although he, you know he, he did score technically offside he was yeah. offside but you know um, yeah I mean I think he brought in Ineacho and Luckman near towards the end mm. and, and you know they did actually get quite close to scoring so yeah, maybe it's time that they have to think of a sort of different way to start playing and they can't rely too heavily on him. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought Ineacho is a good player, to be honest. He was very good at, towards the end of last season, yeah. so maybe he does deserve some more game time. Um, so, yeah, he's another manager for Rodgers that might sort of need to start thinking about their sort of plan B uh, and what they're going to do sort of post-Vardy because... Um, if it's going the way it is, they need, they need to start thinking of some different options. Yeah, they've got Pats and Dakar as well, who I think they've been they've been sort of cautiously bedding in so far, especially with the uh, Europa League coming up soon. Yeah, but I think I was hoping to see him play a little bit. More yeah, so far, he, he's but... one that, uh, that that might that might sort of change their fortunes a little bit. But yeah, Vardy, I think uh, as a lone striker, he, he's dangerous. But the, the the final ball was so poor uh, at times in this game, Leicester. I mean, they created some chances, um, didn't deserve anything from the game as far as I'm concerned. And I think they were the, the, the attack we're getting snuffed out far too easily for, for my liking uh, is it time to get the Brendan Rodgers fraudometer out of storage again Joel that's the big question on everyone's lips I think <laughs> too early for that Dan too early for that yeah. <laughs> he's won, he won an FA Cup couple months ago he's fine oh that's true yeah I'll give him that one yeah yeah uh, Chelsea's title tilt continued with the 3-0 victory over Aston Villa on Saturday evening um, I don't think this was their best performance of the season but Romelu Lukaku delivered the goods with a couple of goals is that signing going to be one that consistently gets Chelsea over the line in games like this do you think Joel yeah, I think so, Dan. I think we sort of talk about. I think I think we'll say a lot this season that Chelsea haven't played too well in games and have won them. I think they've got that sort of aura about them where the team's set up really, really solid. It's really disciplined and it's 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 got little sprinkles of quality in nearly every position. Um, but Chelsea last season, um, you know, took will get to a half a year and you know they, they don't hardly ever concede and they win games one two nil quite a bit. And I think. They might do that in a sort of, in a way that the Liverpool team that won the league did and, and the Liverpool team in 1819 did, where, you know, Liverpool never really blew teams away that often, but they, they just kept on winning, kept on winning. I think that, you know, Tuckle's Chelsea will become a bit of a win machine and, and having Lukaku there is, is going to aid that because, you know, this is a guy now, he's completely different to the Lukaku who was, you know, in the Premier League last time now with Man United. And he's, he's someone now that I think he needs two or three chances and maybe even one in some games to win the game and take them. And he's lethal. And it's, I really like his composure for the goal on Saturday because the ball, the kind of the move is set up for him to shoot on his left. And you more automatically think he's going to shoot on his left. And then he just knows that the defender's coming across that. 
exact moments of cutting in and uh, cutting slotted away on his right. And yeah, I think we're going to be talking about Lukaku getting twenty plus goals and. You know, Chelsea might be well finished above Chelsea's going to win the league. Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the difference is, like you mentioned there, like last season, I think there were, there were often times where they, they didn't play brilliantly and didn't get the results. And this season, mm. they're sort of turning these uh, these kind of average performances in, into wins, aren't they? So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really worried about them. They're, they're still my favourites for the title, just about, I would I would say. But I think it's going to be really competitive. Um, I've seen a few people saying that, that Lukaku's come back from Italy a different player than his last in, in England. A few people disagreeing with that and saying that he's the same player that he was and, and he hasn't really changed that much. And what are your thoughts on that, Rob? You lo- you'll have seen him closely at United. Is he at least a more confident player than he was back then? Um, yeah, I mean, if you have to say that, I mean, I think one of the big differences, obviously, is that it's a much different team he's playing in with the Chelsea team he's got now than he was with that the United team he was a part of. I mean, that stems from sort of being, you know, from the players he's got surrounding him, um, as well as, you know, we all know with strikers, it's a big confidence sort of thing. Um, and he just didn't seem to have the support at United than he does now. But, you know, obviously Italy did him some major favours. Um, you know, build that confidence up, and he sort of t- carried it on to Chelsea. I don't think his game, his game itself, is he's adapted it much. Yeah, but you know, I think he's always been a you know a great finisher. Um, but yeah, I think she's going to make Chelsea uh, you're the really potent. I agree with yourself. I think they they're just about my favourites to, to take the title this year. Just yeah. about. But yeah, I think he's going to make a real big difference to them. Yeah, because I mean, Lukaku, I thought he was quality at Everton, and, and you know, he had his moments at United as well. There were times when his touch was wasn't good, but I think a lot of it was that he was playing in quite a poor United team under Mourinho where it wasn't set up well for him the, the whole team wasn't performing well there wasn't a lot of confidence throughout the team the fans were getting on the back at times it just seems like yeah that Italy spell has like you say he's not really changed his game that much but it's refreshed him mentally a little bit and he's come back and he's he's got a sense of unfinished business about him and, and you know what is it three goals already now It's, it's yeah. he's off and running already isn't he so uh, what do you make of that Sal Niguez signing for Chelsea Rob do you think that's going to be a, a big one for them or is it almost a bit of like did they even need to need to sign a play like him uh, yeah I mean I'm you- I don't think they particularly needed to sign him, but you know he is a very good player again. So, mm. you know they pick up a few injuries, or they, you know they've got a different option now, and it's like it was a bit disappointing. Because I thought he would have been a, a, a good player my United might have looked at, but you know for yeah. whatever reason they didn't think he was the right person for them, or they may have never been in. You know he may have never even wanted to come to us. So. Yeah, again, I mean, you can't argue with it, can you? He's a he's a top quality player, and he's just going to only add to it. Yeah. So. I mean, they are frighteningly good. I mean, you know, you'd only compare them to, in terms of sort of depth, they've got in strength and numbers and things. You'd only have to compare them to City, really, mm. in that respect. So it's going to be a right battle, and I think it's going to be between them and City who's, yeah. going, to, who's going to come out on top on it. Was it just to see Ross Barkley at the bench for Chelsea this weekend, though? I, I thought he'd, uh, I thought he was long gone. I forgot he even played for them, to be honest. Yeah, obviously he was at Villa last season on loan, wasn't he? So maybe the strength and depth isn't that uh, that deep at the moment, uh, but they do have a few players coming back from international duty and all that kind of thing. Uh, Tyrone Mings dropped a clanger for one of the goals here. Um, Aston Villa, they've got a tough-looking run of fixtures ahead with Everton, Man United, Tottenham, Wolves and Arsenal all to come in the next five games. Um, after making some decent signings in the summer, has their start been a little bit underwhelming for you, Joel? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that. Um, you know, they play Watford, Brentford, and Newcastle the first three games, and you know they only take four points out of those games, and, and you probably should be expecting a bit more. You know, they, they make some really good signs in the summer, and you know Danny Ingsley on Bailey, could, you know, um, and boy Emmy Wendier, you know, are quality footballers, and you know if, if Villa have sort of ambitions and notions to become a team challenger for Europe, which I think by those signatures they they are going to be and or hoping to be anyway, then they need to be taking more from and starting better than they have and. You know, okay, a lot of teams are gonna to lose to Chelsea, so that's that's fine. Like it's you know, it happens, but um you know, they have been a bit underwhelming and, and I do wonder you know, 
with Dean Smith. I think you know, mm. I think he's a good manager and has done a very good job for them. And you know, he's a club legend and someone who supports the club uh, when he was younger. But um, I, I do wonder if if they don't, you know, if they get through this one of fixtures you just mentioned there, and you know they're still in the bottom half. I do wonder whether there might be sort of uh, a few itchy fingers at Villa Park when it comes to sort of Christmas time because it, it strikes me as sort of like the Southampton Nigel Atkins sort of thing where <laughs> yeah. he's, he's great and he's a good manager for the club but if, if they want to sort of move that next step whether they need to get someone a bit more sort of ambitious and you know, plays a bit more attractive football and um, maybe that's being a bit too harsh on Dino but uh, not been the best start has it? Yeah, Rob and I used to have a boss who looks exactly like Nigel Atkins <laughs> by the way so any mention of his name is going to make us laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. I'm not. I'm not sure that Dean Smith is really the guy to take them to the next level. I mean, I think. I think that despite you know we said that Chelsea won despite not playing particularly well. I think Villa lost while playing quite well here. Actually, I think the the three five two formation they're playing looks like it could bear fruit against perhaps lesser opposition. Uh, they created quite a lot of chances. The the Ings and Watkins partnership is is quite promising. So. I think they're probably going to get it together as the season wears on. Um, like you say, the start hasn't been particularly good, but I think the transfer business they did was really sound this summer. Um, obviously, losing Jack Grealish wasn't ideal for them, but um, yeah, I, I think I think Villa are going to be okay. I think they'll be top, sort of top half of the table possibly, but p- perhaps not not any more than that. I did tip them for top six before the season began. I'm not so sure about that now, to be honest. Um, Arsenal are off the bottom of the table, courtesy of a one nil win over Norwich. Um, Joe, do you think Arsenal fans should be breathing a sigh of relief now, or, or does them only beating Norwich suggest they aren't quite out of the woods yet? Not quite out of the woods yet. I mean, it's still a minus goal difference, so you know, let's you know, they still might be going down. Um, but no, <laughs> I, no, I think I think the fingers with Arsenal on Saturday, they, they sort of, you know, they played well enough, you know, deserved to win the game, and, and you know, you sort of seen you know, bring Thomas Party on in the second half and. Arteta goes to a four-three-three, which apparently is what he wants to go to long term. So I do wonder whether some of the difficulties that Arsenal have had at the start of this season is one the fixtures they've had, but two not having players available like Party, who's been a bit injured, and you've had a few players suffering with injuries and, and COVID, and he's, Arteta's not actually been able to put out his preferred starting eleven. And if they do, if he does have that available to him now in, in a few, you know, the next few weeks, are we going to see an improvement? Um, so I don't think they're out the woods just yet, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, this is better for them, and Arteta seems a lot happier than he was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So uh, it's just one to keep an eye on for now, I would say. It's amazing what a win can do for you, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> how much do you know about uh, tacky hero Tomoyasu? Um, well, we we are we work with someone who's written a very good uh, profile on him, and uh, I would highly recommend Phil Costa's report on him. Um, but nice no, plug. I, I, nice plug. Nice little plug, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's someone that I, I you know they've needed the right back for a while. Hector Bellerin's not been sort of, you know, his his form's downgraded for a couple of years now, and you know they did play in the Niles there for a bit, but it's been a, a bit of an issue for them. I think someone who was solidified the right hand side, and I don't think he's going to be someone who's going to you know set up you know a bang of goals like Rhys James and Trent Alexander Arnold, but he's someone that might allow us to be a bit more solid at the back and. Maybe Maybe allow Kieran Tierney to sort of get forward a bit more, which is you know, one of his you know high talents when he's at Celtic, and he's not really been able to show too much um, at Arsenal so far in his career there. So, and, you know, I think that's a solid sign for them, and he started well enough on, on Saturday, and, and him and Aaron Ramsdale managed to keep a clean sheet on their debut. So, yeah. Uh, 
happy times for them. Yeah, interesting to see Maitland-Niles start in midfield in this game as well, given that he was uh, almost out the door on, on deadline day, wasn't he? Pretty much uh, mutinous behaviour, you might say. Uh, was talked around <laughs> into staying by, by Arteta, and now he's now he's playing his, his preferred midfield position, so it's quite interesting. Uh, Arsenal had 30 shots on goal in this game, uh, seven of which were on target. I, I suppose it's a big positive that they're, they're at least creating chances, which was something that they didn't do in that, that defeat to City before the international break. Uh, they're away at Burnley next Saturday, though, Rob. Is that is that game going to be a, a bigger test of their credentials than, than facing someone like Norwich? Yeah, I think it will be, to be honest. I mean, you can imagine Sean Dyche is going to be rubbing his hands together. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's going to get that ball in the air uh, over and over again with them. You know, they'll be concentrating on set pieces. You know, they'll be thinking there's been this sort of bully boy kind of stuff against them. So I think it's going to be a test. Uh, I mean, Burnley haven't been great so far. So, mm. you know, you still think Arsenal will have enough to, to put them away. But... Yeah, I think it's going to be a tricky game for them, actually. Uh, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be a little bit concerned <laughs> Yeah, it. well, it's like um, the, the, the Brentford game at the start of the season. Everyone looked at that one and went, Arsenal are definitely losing this game. You could just tell, <laughs> you could just sense it with Arsenal, can't you? And this feels like another one. So if they can get through this one, I think uh, they can start looking forward, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's one of those games that it's got sort of banana skin all over it mm. for them. But if they can get through and they can just get, a, get away with a result, then you hopefully they can sort of build a bit of momentum and, and start sort of pushing on. But um, it's going to be those kind of games that I feel like Arsenal are going to struggle this season. Yeah. Um, you know, the ones they should win, but they, but they don't. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Norwich are bottom of the table after four defeats and only one goal scored. Uh, we know they've had a tough start, but with Watford, Everton, Burnley and Brighton to come in their next four games, are you expecting them to start getting some points on the board now, Joel? Yeah, I find it difficult to sort of analyse Norwich so far this year because of the, the fixtures they've had. Um, and yeah, I, but when you look at sort of what they've got coming up, I think that, you know, let, let's look at them in sort of the end of November and, and see where they are because a lot of people have written Norwich off for a ball being kicked and, you know, with, with some reason because they, they were poor last time they were up. Um, but, you know, last season, Champ, they, you know, in the championship, they managed to still play, you know, the nice football that they, they are known to play, but they, a bit more solid at the back as well and I wonder if they come back up and if they can start to show that in in more winnable games let's say uh, against the likes of what you know Watford and they should be eyeing up you know a couple of points against, you know we can get a point against Brighton as well on the board then uh, that, that's when we should be judging Norwich there but if you know if you if you come at me you know start of November end November and you know they're still in the bottom three and they've only won one game then I think, I think they're gonna sort of they um the critic is going to be right, to be fair to them. So uh, we'll have to see. But um, no, I'm not seeing anything so far that suggests they're going to, you know, it's going to boot up the table and get into the top half. But that let's judge them in a few weeks. Then. Yeah, I totally agreed. Yeah, uh, Tottenham were knocked off the top of the table with a three 0 defeat at Crystal Palace on Saturday. Spurs had just two shots and an xG of 0.08 here, with Harry Kane not even having a shot on goal. Another reason why City were right not to sign him. Can't even get a shot on goal now. <laughs> Rattled. Uh, does that suggest the uh, the three one nil wins before the international break gave us a slightly false impression of what this team are capable of, Rob? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I mean that's still a great start to the season, isn't it? For I don't think any of us sort of expects to take you know win all those games, but they've yet to sort of face a proper challenge. I mean, before they were, they were really bad um, against Palace, and Palace played very well to be mm. fair, but. Um, yeah, there's going to be sort of stronger tests to come for them with Spurs. I still pitch them sort of finishing your sort of eighth, seventh, eighth kind of position. Um, but obviously they need to get, you know, Kane still get himself back to, you know, his head back in the game, I think, more than anything. So if he starts firing again, obviously they'll, I'm sure they'll pick up some more points. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see when they start, you know, getting some real tough, tough games coming up and see how they fare in that respect. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw a few people expressing reservations about Nuno kind of before the season began about his his sort of defensive style of play and um, it not being the most uh, thrilling stuff to watch. And I've seen a few Spurs fans after this game saying it, that game at Palace was worse than anything they saw under Jose Mourinho, which which doesn't bode well, I don't think. But um, yeah, I think I think they'll be okay, Spurs. I think they've 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 made a pretty solid start. I'd, I don't see them being a particularly spectacular team. I don't think this game was a particularly fair reflection of where they are as a team. And they've they've still got summer signings to bed in uh, the likes of Brian Hill and and and, and Christian Romero. So I think we'll probably uh, have to wait a, a few more weeks at least before we see the real Spurs come to the fore. Uh, Jeff Tanganga got himself sent off here after some pretty weird grappling with Wilfred Zahar, and then Zahar opened the scoring from a, from a penalty spot after a handball from Ben Davies. What did you make of those two? Since Joel, because I, the Spurs players were going mad about them both, and I couldn't really understand that. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I mean, Tanganga gets sent off. You know, his second yellow is for when he, he jumps in, isn't he? Yeah. And, um, and to be honest with you, I, I actually thought when I first saw it that um, that could have even been a red himself. The way he goes in, yeah. it's it's, it, it's mad that he goes in like that when he's on a yellow, and it's just he should be sent off for the stupidity of the decision more than anything else. Um, but so no complaints about that. And then the, the penalty is just you know as clear it was what handball can be nowadays anyway, as clear as handball as, as it could be. I mean. Um, you know, Davis leaves his arm out and it hits his arm and it's, you know, sorry lads, it's a penalty. I, mean, I don't really know what they're complaining about, but, um, sad times. It's, yeah, they played, they played badly and probably just trying to deflect attention from that. So, yeah. sorry, Nuno. <laughs> Do you think this, uh, this kind of new approach to VAR, this kind of letting the game flow a little bit more has given players a bit of a false sense of security about what kind of tackles they're allowed to make? I, I think so, yeah. And, um, I think, Obviously, we're going to come come on to talk about Everton v Burnley, but I think if last night, if anyone saw that, there was a, there was a few tasty ones in that, even in the first minute. That Tarkovsky Josh, one, was it? The Tarkovsky one was where Brownhill goes in on Richarlison in the first minute, which is a bit uh, raucous, but the Tarkovsky one, he goes in on Richarlison sort of near the away end. And if he catches him, Richarlison, well, he catches him properly, Richarlison probably breaks his leg. And it's, it's not even a foul. It's not, it's not a yellow card, it's not even a foul. And it's, yeah, I think there's a, there's a bit of that to it. Um, to be honest with you, and I, I do wonder if it's something that might get, you know, we love a clamp down every season, <laughs> don't we? There's always yeah. a clamp down agenda, and I think that could be the one that gets clamped down on over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Palace's other two goals in this game were scored by debutant Odson Edouard, signed from Celtic just before the transfer window closed. Are you expecting him to do the business in the Premier League, Joel? Is someone that... Maybe a couple of years ago, his you know, stock was a little higher, and then um, he seems like he's been around for for a long time. He's still only twenty three, and you know he does get fifty one goals, and you know in fifty one league goals, should I say for Celtic over, you know, three seasons. Um, so he's obviously someone who clearly knows where the onion bag is located, and I, I do think I, I expect him to do quite well. I definitely wasn't expecting to score two goals in six minutes on his debut, but um, mm. I, I think I expect him to do well because it, it, all the play is going to be built around setting him up now for. Palace because he's probably going to be the lone striker. I don't see him partnering with Benteke too often, but might be wrong on that. Um, yeah. But I, I see him being the vocal point, and, and the whole team's going to be built around setting him up. And you know they've got creative players in that team when they get Eze back and Michael Elise back, and then obviously Wilfred Zaha already, and Conor Gallagher's making incredible runs into the box, and someone to keep an eye out. So they're all going to be. You know, set up to to play him in, and I expect him to do quite well and sort of recapture the form that you know he had in his early days at Celtic. Yeah, Gallagher.
Gallagher was superb in this game, wasn't he? He's really made a brilliant start to his his, uh, his spell there. And yeah, all that talk about Patrick Vieira being the new Frank de Boer is looking pretty ridiculous now, isn't it? He's uh, he's made a made a pretty solid start, all, all things considered. So uh, good good for him, I suppose. Uh, Everton continued their fine start to the season with a three one win over Burnley on Monday night. Uh, Rob, which was your favourite goal from this game? Was it Andros Townsend's thunder bastard or Damare Gray's one a few minutes later? <laughs> oh, it's got to be Townsend. The first goal was great, though. It was a great pass. Uh, yeah, I love that. That Decore, wasn't it? Yeah, I was yeah, applauding yeah. that in my living room by myself. Um, but yeah, and uh, Townsend was great. He's got that in his locker, though, hasn't he? He's scored a few in the past. A bit, you know, I remember one of them very well at the Etihad. Yeah, yeah, that bloody volley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, he said, he said after the game, didn't he, that his mum had sent him a compilation of his goals to try and boost his confidence. Like, what a lovely thing for your mum to do, that is. Yeah, very wholesome. Uh, and it works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they look pretty good Everton at the moment. They're on a the real, real roll. So um, yeah, Benitez has got, a, got got the magic touch. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they can sort of keep it up. But um, yeah, looking pretty strong at the moment. Well, yeah, I'll ask you, Joel. How, how does it feel as a Liverpool fan to see Benitez doing so well at Everton? And how long do you think it's going to last? Ah, disgusting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they deserve credit. They, um, they look like a really well-balanced team and they've started really well. I actually like the signings they've made. I know a few Everton fans were moaning because Damari Gray, Andros Townsend, sort of you know, not stellar names, but they both started really well. And I think the whole team's built around setting up Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He wasn't there last night, but you know it's, it's a fair tactic and it's one that's going to win them more games than not. And I, I, I think they deserve credit for the start. In terms of how long it will last, Everton in the best of times don't take much for it to all unfold and <laughs> for all start hating each other. Um, and now they've got, a, you know, the club legend of the club they hate the most um, in their dugouts. So when it starts going wrong this time, I think the kerosene's going to get poured on day <laughs> one. Um, so I, I I do think I do think at some point it's going to get a bit tricky for them, but you know right now you know they're, they're loving life and and, and deserve so. They've had a few tough years, so um, you know, let's see. I'm, I'll keep my mouth shut and when I expect it to go wrong. Yeah, now. Goodison Park is rocking at the moment, and they've got uh, Solomon <laughs> Rondon there now as well, who's like uh, he's like Benitez's answer to tomorrow and Fellaini was to Moyes, isn't he? Really, he's like they can't can't go anywhere without him, and uh, yeah, I think I think he could uh, chip in with a few goals this season yeah. as well. So. Yeah, fair play to Everton. I, I didn't expect them to start well at all, to be honest. I thought it was a bit of a stupid appointment, PR-wise. I didn't think the fans were going to buy into it at all. And um, I mean, Jamie Carragher was saying on TV last night that he he reckons that the thing about Benitez that he understands the people of Liverpool, not just Liverpool fans, but the but the Scouse mentality that the, the way they want to approach football. Do you think there's something in that, Joel? Yeah, I agree with that. Actually, I think he's someone that. I mean, he's, he's a he's a lovely fella, absolutely lovely fella, and he's someone who's immersed himself within the city, and um, not only during his time when he's manager at Liverpool, but you know also after because he's always he's lived on the Wirral and has you know has got himself involved in in sort of schemes around the city, and and I I, I can see why Carragher would say that, and can see how it would be a thing, and and maybe he can tap into that. Um, I do think Benitez lost his touch a bit a couple of years ago, and you know, I don't think he did as well at Newcastle as people made out, and. Mm. Um, but he might just be. This might be the one that brings him, you know, you know, gets a touch back and brings his mojo back, and maybe it's a perfect marriage somehow. <laughs> um, a lovely 
fella with a fan base that hates everything. I think it could, it could be perfect. <laughs> it could be, yeah. yeah. The, the odd couple. Football's, football's odd yeah, couple, absolutely, exactly. yeah. <laughs> uh, Wolves have finally got their first Premier League win and goals of the Bruno Largera with a 2-0 win at Watford on Saturday. It took an own goal to break the deadlock here, but then debutant Huang Hee Chan scored on his debut. Does that mean Wolves' troubles are over in front of goal, Rob, do you think? Uh, I mean, it's definitely an improvement, isn't it? Because yeah. they needed it. Um, yeah, I mean, they've been pretty woeful in front of them. I mean, to be fair to them, obviously Jimenez is still fine, you know, coming back from a pretty serious injury and he's clearly not quite there much-wise. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You guys probably know more than I do about this guy. I remember him from the, it was he the Salzburg team? Yeah. And then he was at yeah. uh, Leipzig last year. But I think he had a sort of quiet year last year. But... Um, yeah, I mean, he looked, you know, pretty good. I mean, his goal was just to tap him, wasn't it? But yeah. you know, you've got to, be, you've got to be there to, to put him in. So, yeah, hopefully they can sort of kick on now and, and, and start sort of getting the goals. I think Wolves will be fine personally. Um, I think they've got enough quality in that team to to sort of finish, you know, in the sort of top half. But um, yeah, obviously you need to start scoring to, to yeah. get there. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting how he, how he gets on. That was their 70th shot of the season, that goal. Uh, the, the, obviously, the, the first goal was a great-headed goal from, from Watford's Francisco Serialta. Uh, unfortunately yeah, so for him, it was in his own net. Oh, yeah, beautiful. Right in the bottom corner. <laughs> uh, many tipped Watford to go straight back down before the season started. Then, then there was a bit of a hasty reassessment after they beat Aston Villa on the opening day. How concerned do you think they should be about their survival chances at this point, Joel? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about them in, in March and April and they're either cut adrift or, you know, right in the thick of it. And mm. I think the issue for them is that I'd, they've got a lot of strikers or a lot of forwards, but not one that I would say is enough to be clinical and, you know, in the top flight. I mean, Ashley Fletcher, you know, has been someone who hasn't really scored goals in the championship apart from, you know, maybe sort of last season he gets a few more and uh, they get, they've got the Joshua King came in on the three and it's not someone who's always been clinical had a couple, good couple of years at Bournemouth and, and tailed off I mean it's Mali Sarr is, is you know an exciting player and I think it's going to be a lot on him to sort of you know get them out of the thick of it and you know uh, win them games alone and he's probably got the talent to do it but I'm not sure he can do it you know he's going to need help and I think as a Watford they've got there's a chance at some stage of season that they'll play a midfield the Moussa Sissoko, Tom Cleverley and Dan Goslin, which is proper Premier League heritage. <laughs> so, uh, but for that alone, they probably should get sent down. So, um, yeah, I'd be concerned about them. I'm not seeing enough about them so far. They had a good win in the open day, of course, but mm. not, not enough about them so far to say I think they're going to stay up, but um, is it a silly days, of course. But yeah. that midfield would have been decent in 2012, wouldn't it? But it's it's 2021 now, unfortunately. <laughs> Times have moved on a little bit. <laughs> uh, Brighton, they're riding high in sixth place after a one 0 win at Brentford. Their xG in this game was just 0.19, uh, but it was also their second clean sheet of the season, and they've only conceded three goals so far. Uh, last season, they had problems when it came to scoring goals, but if they keep defending well, it's not going to matter too much this season, is it, Rob? No, no. I mean, who needs goals when you get any in, I guess? Um, but yeah, they've been pretty, pretty impressive. I think they've won surprises so far this season. I know it's early days and things, so, you know, it's a long way to go. But, I mean, you can't argue this. They've played some really, you know, some really good stuff. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it goes, you know, when the fixtures start piling up, sort of come New Year and things, whether they get that sort of mid-season slump that some teams go on where, you know, you just don't pick up anything for, a, you know, a few games and things. So, yeah, but I mean, it's good to get the points now, I guess, in that respect. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Brian does. I sort of tip Brighton that they might struggle this season. Mm. Um, I mean, they may, may well do so still, but yeah, I mean, the way they've been playing at the moment doesn't look that way. 
Yeah, yeah, they have made a very, very sorry, solid start. Brentford also made a decent start to their first season back in the Premier League. Uh, they've only scored three goals so far, though, and they missed a few chances in this game. Do you reckon that could be their undoing if they're not careful this this season, Joel? Yeah, it did feel when Trossard's goal went in, it, it did feel like um, the, the cruelty of the Premier League had finally come and haunt them a bit, to yeah. be honest. Um, I, I think, you know, that could be an issue. You know, it's, it's an issue for any team that comes up and, you know, that they, they're going to have to be really clinical on both boxes. And I, I've seen, when I say not seen enough about Watford, I think I have seen enough of Brentford to say that they've got enough about them to, you know, bloody a few noses this year. I mean, Liverpool played them in two weeks' time at their place and it's, it's one that you know feels tricky. Um, really feels tricky, and um, Liverpool could slip up in. And, and so I, I, I'm, I'm not too worried about them. To be honest with you, I, th- I think Ivan Tony when he does settle down, um, and you know, he, you know, he's, he's scored one goal already, but I, I can see him getting you know a few bits and, mm. and hitting double figures, and that, that surely should be enough to. Uh, to keep them up but they've got a solid enough defence and it's it's just one of them where they've just been caught by a really well worked goal and a really good finish and it's literally been the, the difference and that might happen a few times this year and it'll feel cruel but I think they've got enough about them to be alright to be honest Yeah I know what you mean I think that I think their home games could, could represent a potential banana skin for a few teams uh, perhaps a little bit unfortunate to lose this game weren't they they beat Arsenal of course on the opening day so yeah I think uh, the Brentford Community Stadium if they can make that a bit of a fortress then, uh, then they might they might be okay um, we'll finish by, by briefly touching on the nil-nil draw between Southampton and West Ham on Saturday. I'm sure we were all dismayed to see the podcast favourite footballer, Mikel Antonio, pick up a needless red card right at the end of this game. He's now banned for next weekend's game against Man United. Does that make you less concerned about your team's trip to the London Stadium, Rob? Um, yeah, I mean, he's a big blow for my fantasy football team. But, um, <laughs> other than that, but no, it's great news for United, there because um, he would he would, he would um, you know have a, have a good time against us, I think. We'd... we'd He's caused a very uh, a lot of issues, um, but yeah, I mean, it's good news for United. I think it's still going to be a tough game. I think West Ham away for us has always been a bit of a sort of banana skin. Yeah, uh, we've never really done well at our place, um, and it's still going to be tough. I think, but um, I still think United should uh, should sort of walk away and get get the points they need. But um, it's going to be a tight one. They'll probably lose that. They'll probably lose five. No, I've said that. But yeah, I think Antonio is always he's been great so far this season, and. Um, you know, again, sort of our defence. On, he could have a bit of a field. Day. It caused anyone problems because no one knows what he's going to do. Not even himself, really. It just, it's <laughs> yeah. just, yeah. yeah, it's just like so a, unpredictable. Exactly, it's a battering ram. <laughs> uh, finally, Southampton. Uh, Ralph Hasenhutl seems to be asking them to, to keep it tight and then and then go for the jugular in tw- in the last twenty minutes of games this season. Do you think that's a viable long term strategy, Joel? I mean, it, it depends on them not conceding goals, really, doesn't it? Which is which is a bit of, bit of a gamble. Yeah, it is exactly that. I mean, I can see why you're sort of trying to focus on, on tightening them up because they're a team that can see, you know, nine goals in, in, in one game in, in the last two seasons on two occasions. So it's, you know, that's, you know, it's, that's lull in it, but, you know, I yeah. need to sort that out. And I, I can see why they try to become a bit more disciplined, but with it being, it's risky because they don't have Danny Ings up there anymore. So they need to, you know, have someone who's going to put, you know, the one or two chances away. It's not going to create too much until, in the last 20 and, and it might not even they might be out the games by then as well so you know I think Adnan Armstrong is a good signing and I think you know he's got potential to be a good Premier League striker but it's you know it's, you know one goal so far isn't the opening day um, 
So we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I'm, I'm not. I'd be a bit concerned for Southampton if a, you know, if, a, if it was a Saints fan. Um, I do wonder how how much, you know, how far Ralph Hassan could take them, and whether his, you know, his style of football is going to work. And I don't think they're oppressive. You know, the start of last season, and then it really did tail off, and they really did fall off a cliff. And I just wonder if they've just not got enough quality in that squad to, um, you know, to, to have an effect on this division. To be honest, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm, I'm a bit worried about them. I, I tipped them for relegation when they sold Danny Ings actually I'm, I'm still not really deviating from that prediction I think they might be okay but they, they, they could be finding themselves in the sort of lower reaches of the table for, for the most part of the season uh, well that's all we've got time for on this week's episode of the Premier League Weekend Review Podcast I've been Dan Burke and thanks to Joel and Rob for joining me we'll be back next Monday to discuss such delights as West Ham v Man United and Tottenham v Chelsea so we'll see you then I never-